Welcome to CRE Success, the podcast. Check us out online at cresuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now here's your host, Darren Krakowiak. If you've been waiting to hear somebody else talking on this podcast apart from me, today is your lucky day. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the show. My name's Darren Krakowiak and I'm here to help you save time, earn more and be a top performer in your market if you work in commercial real estate that is. Welcome to 2022. It is the first episode of the new year and it's great to have your company. Today I've got something different for you. It's an interview that I did on the CRE Academy podcast with Raphael and Jeff. Coming up, I'm going to be talking about how I approach the transition moving from Australia to Korea when I did that back in 2007. Also, the common characteristics I see in successful commercial real estate agents and brokers and the biggest challenges that I've faced since starting CRE Success. If you want to see me squirm under the spotlight of the questioning, you can also watch this interview on YouTube. But right now, I hand it over to Jeff and Raphael to ask me the questions. So welcome, Darren. Uh, excited to see you this fine afternoon. I guess morning for yeah. you over all the way in Australia. Yeah. 8 a.m. on a Friday morning. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Well, that's yeah. a great way, great way to start your day. So that's, that's yeah. exciting. And again, we're really excited to have you. Uh, just for the, the, those of you guys who are listening, I uh, actually saw Darren via LinkedIn and I saw his unique background in the brokerage space. And then obviously now as an entrepreneur, and I thought it would be a phenomenal opportunity for us to learn a little bit more about him as, a, as an individual and you know, get some insights from as many years in the commercial real estate industry. So again, we're really excited to see you today. And uh, yeah, uh, so let's go ahead and dive in. I, I One thing I wanted to do, and this is what we typically do when we first start with the podcast, is we like to learn a little bit more about the person across the table from us. So if you don't mind, kind of give us a high overview of who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, uh, my name is Darren Krukaviak. I live in Melbourne, Australia, and I've had over 20 years in commercial real estate. Uh, I started my commercial real estate career after completing a Bachelor of Economics, Bachelor of Commerce at university. So I kind of fell into commercial real estate. I didn't study that at university. And after a couple of jobs with some independent domestic advisory firms in the commercial real estate space, I moved to JLL in 2005. And JLL sent me to Korea, Seoul, South Korea in 2007. Mm -hmm. And I spent 12 years living and working in Korea as an expat. Um, with JLL, I ran a few different departments, research, strategic consulting, tenant representation, and office leasing. I moved to uh, CBRE in 2015 and became the country head of their business in Korea. I came home to Melbourne in 2019, was back with JLL. And when I came back to Melbourne, I kind of recognized what I saw as a bit of a problem in the marketplace, which was a lack of resources for people who work in commercial real estate. I saw a lot of professional development resources, speakers, coaches, trainers who are really prominent in the marketplace in this part of the world servicing the residential market. But I didn't really see anyone who I felt was credibly serving the commercial real estate market. Now, I know that in North America, you have a number of prominent commercial real estate coaches who are servicing that market really well. And, uh, you know, I certainly have come across some of their material and they're doing a great job. But the market in North America is so big that a lot of these people don't really have much need to venture outside of North America. So I saw this, this gap that existed in this part of the world and I had experience not only here in Australia, but also in Asia. 
So I saw an opportunity to set up this business, which I did in 2020 called CRE Success. And I've been doing it now for oh, coming up to nearly two years in April next year. That, that's super exciting. And, and, and that's a really unique experience that you had traveling from where you are we're in Australia over to Korea, which again, each, each market is going to be very specific. So could you tell us a little bit? I'm kind of interested to hear about how was that transition you know, from where you were yeah. at in Australia and now you're in a completely different country. There's a language difference. You know, there's probably different regulations that are completely different. So how, how, what, was that, what was that transition like? It's kind of interesting. Well, I was 27 years old at the time, so it was fun and exciting for mm-hmm. me. And, you know, I, I had a lot of fun living and working in Korea. So the cultural barriers were obviously quite strong. Um, I would say that Korea is, if you like, hard Asia, not easy Asia. So um, places like Singapore and Hong Kong, where there is a lot of English spoken, um, where there is a little bit more... I guess, globalism, if you like, um, are probably easier markets to go to. They're generally headquarter markets, whereas Korea is more of a, it's a developed economy, but it's still a frontier economy. It's, it's got very strong national characteristics and um, it's different, right? So at the same time, I think that there aren't a lot of commercial real estate professionals from outside of Korea trying to do business in Korea. So you can quickly establish yourself as a go-to person in the market. So once I understood the market and just understood it better than anyone else who was trying to do business who wasn't Korean in that market, then I became a reliable source of knowledge and and an expert in the industry in Korean commercial real estate. So uh, look, there were things that I didn't know as well as obviously a Korean person. I didn't speak Korean ever. Um, I, I know a little bit of Korean. My wife's Korean. My daughter obviously is now half Korean, um, but I don't do business in Korean. So there was always going to be some gap between what I could do and what a local could do. But my role was really to act as a bridge between uh, the Korean local business customs, the market, the intricacies of the market, the nuances, and helping foreigners to bridge that gap and to understand how they can get outcomes um, in that market. So yes, there were some challenges, but there were some real inherent advantages that you can get in a market like that. If you go there and you just spend, you know, you open your eyes a little bit and just spend a year there, you're going to be pretty well placed to be that person who can help others um, find success in the market. Yeah. And that's a rare mindset. So I commend you on that because I know a lot of people would not feel comfortable just kind of jumping out, jumping ship and just uh, going into that type of environment. And I'm sure having the, the backbone that JLL had with such a broad network internationally kind of helped as far as the, the the bridging the gap, like you said. So that's awesome. I think as yeah. well, the fact that I did um, research when I first got there, that was good because I got to know the market really well. Uh, then after I moved out of research and strategic consulting into tenant representation, I had the grounding of the market knowledge in place. But also when I started doing tenant representation, that was just after the global financial crisis hit. And there were some more senior people who were moved out of their roles. And I was kind of elevated into this role that perhaps I wasn't ready for, but it wasn't a bad time to be cutting your teeth in a revenue generating role because people had very low expectations of how much revenue could be generated. Mm -hmm. So I had that sort of time and space to sort of understand how to, you know, pitch for work and to deliver services in a tenant representation or transaction capability. And I think that really worked in my favor as well. Definitely. So you were saying earlier, um, you're going through college and I kind of, 
I don't know if I missed it there, but I was kind of wanting to know like what actually piqued your interest in commercial real estate instead of like you going towards the residential side. What was, was there like an aha moment for you or what was? Well, Jeff, I don't, I I would say that um, real estate was never really on my radar as a profession. And outside of um, when I, when I was in my final year of university, I had a few graduate interviews at, more sort of strategic consulting firms were the ones that I was targeting. And I didn't get those positions, but I did get an offer from a company called um, JHD, which is Urbis JHD, or now just Urbis in Australia, which is a professional, uh, it's a a property economics firm. And the firm, the JHD side, specialised in advising shopping centre owners and large format retailers on how they can increase their turnover as a result of the way that they treat their property. So if they expand the mall, for example, or if they build a new store, what's the market share going to be? What's the turnover going to be? So it was the economics grounding that I had from university, but with very much a a property focus. So that was my Mm -hmm. first job. And then I moved on to another position in a valuation firm where I was their research head who was doing things like forecasting turnover for um, valuations to plug into their valuation models for office markets. And then I think I went into JLL because by that time, I was interested in the idea of working overseas and I realized I needed to work at a global firm in order to get those opportunities. And I could see that based on my experience in working for some commercial property advisory firms, that that was the quickest path for me to get those opportunities. So real estate in itself probably wasn't really ever something that I pursued, but you know, I'm a pretty competitive person. So I like the idea of um, that com- competitive spirit that exists in commercial real estate. At, at school, I was never um, a great athlete, but I was into um, debating and I was always the student representative council and form captain and I was pretty academic as well. So I was competitive in that sense. And in commercial real estate, there was an opportunity for someone like me to, uh, you know, sort of satisfy my competitive spirit in a way that I was good at and could also help me achieve my goals in terms of getting an opportunity to move overseas, to make some money, to climb the corporate ladder. And I guess now it's also given me the opportunity to move into entrepreneurship, which is, um, again, something which probably I've wanted to do for a long time, but didn't quite see how I'd be able to do it until until recently. Nice. That's, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that, that really is. And, and, and like you said, I mean, I, I'm similar to you in that I didn't necessarily decide to, to go into commercial real estate or I, right off the bat, I have an engineering background. And so I actually was completely different than you. I was in software development and consulting for five years before I got into commercial real estate. And there's a common thread amongst people who go into the business in the commercial real estate business and have success. And, and that competitive nature is, is kind of prevalent in, in, in all the people that I've talked to thus far, just through the podcast and through my interactions with people across the nation. And that is, that's that's the main thing is your 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 competitiveness and wanting to learn and expand and really serve your clients as best as possible. So uh, that's awesome. That's an awesome uh, idea that you shared. So kind of leads us into our next question, which was related to what are some of the most common characteristics that you see in successful real estate agents and brokers? I've um, put a lot of thought into this uh, before uh, we've spoken today because when I launched this business, I thought that I wanted to have a bit of a, some sort of pillar content that I could release that I would then offer up as a download to start building up my email database. Mm-hmm. And what I released was a short ebook called The Five P's of Commercial Real Estate Success. 
And it's basically what I've observed as being the attributes that are most common within top performers in commercial real estate. And when I worked in the industry, when I got to more senior positions, sometimes people would say to me, you know, what does it take to be successful? And I had my go-to answer and there was four Ps, but I, I thought of the fifth P as well once I released this book. And um, the, the five Ps are passion, uh, persistence, professionalism, positive thinking, and uh, preparation. Did I get that right? Preparation, professionalism, positive thinking, persistence, and passion. Yeah. So they're the, they're the five Ps, the five sort of attributes, if you like. Um, and yeah, in the ebook, I talk about why they matter. And I sort of provide a few little anecdotes from my commercial real estate career as to, you know, why these things are important if you are going to really aspire to be amongst the best of the best in this industry. And I guess, um, you know, I've been quite fortunate in my career to have access to very senior people in the industry. And, you know, I really tried to sort of stress test this five piece theory and sort of see, you know, did the people who I admired in the industry have these attributes? And yes, they did. Yeah, now there are some other attributes. Not all of them start with P though, so they don't really fit into my five P's um, book. But um, those five P's I think were pretty inherent in um, all the people who I saw who were really, really successful in our industry. So that's my answer to that question. Oh yeah, no, and that's a great answer. And and I, I think the first one, like you mentioned, passion. Uh, I, again, anything that you want to be successful in life, I think requires you to have some sort of of at least commitment to doing the best you can each and every day. And you know, for, if you're competing against someone who's not really passionate about what they're doing, it's pretty easy to outcompete them over a period of time because they're not going to be committed to the one year, three year, five year, ten year plan. Uh, because they're going to start running into these obstacles, which are inherent in the commercial real estate industry. You're going to be facing ob objections on a regular basis. You're going to yep. be, you know, facing, you know, turmoil. Again, cash flow. You know, during good times you're doing great. During bad times it may be a little bit more difficult. And so you won't ride the the roller coaster that is that type of career if you don't really have a passion for serving others and making sure that you want to be the best at what at what you do. So, um, and I, funny you say that because passion was the one that wasn't there at the, you know, when I mentioned there was always four that I would mention when people would ask me what it takes to be successful. Passion was the one that was missing. And I guess it comes back to what you asked before about, you know, sort of how did I land in this industry? And I guess I never felt that inherent passion for commercial real estate, or I never knew that I did. But for me, it's not passion for buildings or passion about commercial real estate, but it's passion for some of the things that you need to do in order to be successful, whether that's, you know, leadership, whether that's being a competitive spirit. So you can find the passion to be good at what you do without having an inherent passion for what it is that you do, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're not passionate about bricks and mortar per se, but you're passionate about being the best you possibly can be. And, Correct. And, and, I, and I think passion also comes when you're good at something. Like if you suck okay. at something, it's pretty hard to really be passionate about it. I think over time, some people think that there's like some divine inspiration in, in, in careers, right? You, you find the right career for you and all of a sudden it's going to be you know, smooth sailing and butterflies and you know, unicorns from there. But in reality, what it really comes down to is becoming really excellent at what you do. Because with excellence, now you feel like you're of value to society. And at that point, you say, oh, wow, now I feel like I'm, I'm contributing in some meaningful way. And so I think there, there, there probably is some delineation between the passion of divine inspiration versus just being excellent at what you do and then being really excited about getting back into the saddle every single day. So love that, Raphael. And I think 
if you are excellent at what you do, you're unlikely to hate it. So you don't have to love what you do, but I think you need to be good at it in order to excel at it. And if you excel, you're unlikely to dislike it. So yeah, a lot of people say you should love what you do. And I don't know if you can't, not everyone's going to love what they do, but if you're excellent at it and if you can excel at it, I think it's going to make it, um, you know, to sort of leverage off the negative much uh, more tolerable if it's perhaps sure. not your burning passion in life, if you wanted to be an actor or a, an NFL player or whatever it is that you really wanted to do when you were a kid or be a fireman or or whatever. Sure. Yeah. And speaking of excelling and stuff like that, when you are, started your brokerage business and stuff and you've been scaling and things like that, what I know like for everyone, you, you know, you, you hit those roadblocks, those challenges. What were some that uh, just say your top challenges that you faced when you were scaling your business? Yeah. Um, it's funny. The, the things that I have faced challenges with since launching this business are similar challenges that I faced when I worked in commercial real estate. But I think I wasn't so aware of what those roadblocks and challenges were for me at the time when I was in commercial real estate because my career was always going up and up and up that everything was going fine. So therefore, I didn't really stop to reflect on the areas where I needed to improve. But as I've launched a business, which is hard work and a lot harder than I expected, and I've got a lot more respect now for people who run their own business than I used to have. I used to, um, I've never shared this before, I used to think that when I would have clients who are running these little one or two person business, I'm like, why would you want to do that when you can, you know, work for a big company? And I can see now it, my, my perspective is completely changed, but that's going down a tangent. Um, I guess some things that are challenges, one is perfectionism, right? Wanting everything perfect. Um, you need to understand that if your perfectionism is getting in the way of you taking action, then um, it's okay to have high standards, but it's not good to procrastinate and to obsess over small details that nobody else cares about except you. Uh, I think that's related also to letting go of certain things and being willing to let other people do um, certain tasks. So I've talked to, it's funny, some of the advice that I give to my clients and my network now, are some of the advice that I know that I needed at the time. So I've had this, um, I had this idea of 2000 hours, right? So there's 2000 hours roughly in a year that you work. So if you understand what your annual income is, you can divide that by 2000 hours and you'll get your rough hourly rate. And if you're doing things that you wouldn't pay someone else that much per hour to do, then you nearly you really need to think about is that something that you can outsource? So you know, letting go of certain things just because you think that you can do them better than anyone else, maybe you can, but that's not a reason why you should continue to do them. Um, and I guess just being willing to, again, just get support from other people. So um, I've been much more open to the idea of personal and professional development since starting this business, more idea to the idea of learning and growth, more open to the the idea that somebody else has something to teach me than perhaps, perhaps I was a little bit arrogant before and thought I knew it all. So um, I think it's been quite a um, almost a humbling experience to start your own business. And perhaps if I'd had a little bit more of that mindset before, then you know my commercial real estate career, which went really well, may have even been more successful if I perhaps was a little bit more aware of some of those limitations that I've noticed um, more recently. For sure, and and I'll even echo on the on the control factor, you know, because yeah. again, and and I can see this in you too, because you you seem like a very uh, driven and competitive person, and so you seem like someone also that that likes to be in control, you know, and 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 I and I have the same type of mindset, and so 
creating that that delineation between should I be doing this activity is is such a huge thing. For, and I'm, I'm I'm still dealing with that right now. Like I've hired for mowing my lawn, for example, I hired someone to mow my lawn because I hate doing it. And I know that, you know, it would probably take me two hours to do it, whereby if someone has like a little, you know, riding mower, they can get it done in 30 minutes. And it, it, they like doing it. That's part of their business. So I've outsourced that. I'm actually working on trying to hire a VA right now. So I've created like a job description and outline and I have all the, you know, the different tasks uh, that I would like them to do and have PDFs and videos explaining it. So I'm getting to that point where it's starting to say, look, I'm going to hand off the tasks that don't generate income for my business and that'll free me up to be able to go generate business because that's my highest and best use. Like you said, if you don't, if you're not going to pay someone, you know, whatever your income goal is, hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars an hour is what you're trying to produce. Then outsource whatever you can in order to free up time so that you can go generate business. So, with with VAs, I'd give your um your listeners one tip. I've had now three VAs. The first mm -hmm. two didn't work out. The third one's going really well. So if the first one you're gonna it's not always going to be a perfect match first time around. So be willing to um, don't don't um, you know throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Just because yeah. the first one doesn't work out, that doesn't mean the VAs don't work. It just means it wasn't a good match. So keep going until you find the right one, and then you'll get into the rhythm and things will start working well, and you'll you'll have a lot more time to make you know more productive decisions and and produce more results for for yourself and for your family. And that's where we're going to leave the interview. We'll come back next week with the second part of the interview in next week's episode of CRE Success, the podcast. Before we do go, I'd just like to remind you that the five P's of commercial real estate success, which I mentioned in that part of the interview, is available for you to download now. You can grab it at CRESuccess.co forward slash ebook and you can get all the information about those five p's the passion the persistence the professionalism the positive thinking and of course the preparation i really forgot about all of them when i didn't have my notes in front of me uh, cresuccess.co forward slash ebook thank you so much for listening i will speak to you soon thanks for listening to cre success the podcast if you enjoyed this episode Make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about the show, just check the show notes on your podcast app or visit us online at cresuccess.co.